Amen. Hey, grab a seat, and as you do, get a Bible in front of you to John chapter 3. And if you need a Bible, if there's uh, one under a seat somewhere close by you, and uh, the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John is the fourth book into the New Testament, and uh, get there with me this morning. And uh, my hope uh, for today is very simply this, that by the time we leave here, that all of us in this room would have a deeper and a clearer and uh, a life-altering view of how much God loves us. And now you come to church and you expect to hear God loves you. And it's almost a Christian cliche that we have, uh, that we speak to each other all of the time and that we hear out there. But that's not, I'm not, I'm not wanting to preach a message today at the cliche level or uh, just in this ethereal level of the love of God. Um, we, as we look at John 3.16 and as we focus our entire energies today on 10 words that we find in John 3.16, we can know with objective fact that God loves us. Beyond theory, there's something objectively in history that happened that reveals the love of God for people. And so my hope today is that um, the, a miracle would happen in here. And that miracle would be that the love of God is driven so deeply and so powerfully into every one of our hearts in here in such a way that our hearts are opened up to the love that the Father has for us. And so if you're here today and you walk into church and it's just been a good season, I mean, you'd like if someone asks you how's it going, you're like, great. Life is good, and you just describe this season right now as blessed. And my hope today is that as we preach on the love of God, that you would see that it's this God who loves you, who gives you the blessings of this season. Um, um, if for you today um, is on the other side of that spectrum, and 2018 was a hard year, and you were hoping that the the difficulty ended when 2019 came, and yet it hasn't. It seems that hardship is persisting. Um, my hope today is that you would hear how much God loves you in the midst of the hardship of your circumstances. Some of you walk in here, and you're in a season of just great victory over sin that maybe has play, had plagued you for year, months or years. And this last season for you is just one of like the Lord giving victory my hope is that you will see how much your heavenly Father loves you and is giving you the power for that victory. And some of you walk in and you're feeling the weight of recurring sin. Even this weekend of just how long, Lord, will I wrestle with this? My hope today is that you will hear that God does not ultimately love you because you're good. He loves you because he's good. My prayer for you, if you're in here and you've never, there's never been a point in your life where you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, meaning you have entered into relationship with him and become a Christian. My prayer today is for that miracle that happens in a heart when God reveals his love to you through the giving of his son so powerfully that you can't resist his call to him in your heart, that today maybe you walked in here not knowing Jesus, but you'll walk out of here knowing that you know this Savior. My prayer is that we would just get 
enveloped and surrounded and immersed and just completely overwhelmed by the love of God this morning. Amen? Pray with me. Let's ask for the help of the Spirit, and then let's dive into His Word. Father, we do need the help of Your Spirit right now. Because, Lord, if, if we just preach in general about your love, Lord, it, it can stay at a level of such familiarity to us that it won't, it won't sing, sink down deep into our hearts. And so, God, I just pray that you would be pleased to unleash your spirit on this place in such a way that every believer in here would walk out with an assured, resounding, confidence in your love for them. Lord, the greatest thing a father gives a son or daughter is the assurance of his love. Lord, would you give us that today as your children? And then, Lord, I pray for those who don't know you in here, who are not Christians. God, would you do the miracle that you've done uh, in so many hearts of revealing your love for them in such a way that they surrender their life to Jesus today? So God, through 10 words that we study today, would you just do unbelievable work? Would you do work that brings you glory? And would you do work that completely alters the paths of our life? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. John 3.16, get there with me. And it says this, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now we're three weeks in to a four-week series. The first week we looked at this statement that we're diving down deeply into for a couple weeks here to start this year actually comes within an entire conversation that Jesus is having with a very moral leader of his day named Nicodemus. And this conversation that Jesus is having with this Nicodemus centers on, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And then last week we looked at the beginning of the statement, just the first two words, for God. Because we said we, we can't understand this love that's going to be talked about. We can't understand the giving of the Son. We can't understand the belief that's required of us until we understand the God who is orchestrating all of this. And we looked at him as this great I am and creator and father. But this week we focus on the ten words that come after the first two. So loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, not to insult our intelligence, but just to break this, this beginning of this verse down into its uh, kind of its basic makeup and structure. Uh, let's, let's go back to elementary or junior high English class and let's talk about subject, verbs, and objects. We all ready? Huh? Think we can pass this quiz? We'll work on it together. For God so loved the world. Now, I'm, I don't, this is not to insult intelligence. I know all of us can probably pick out the subject or whatever, but it's just to see something at the basic level of who's doing the acting here. So a subject is the person doing the action. Who is the subject in this verse here? God is the subject. And now the verb is the action word. What is the action word? Now, I just, I, again, I know it's like, yeah, you're not saying anything we can't read for ourselves. I know that. I know that. But I think it's so important to just break this truth down into its basics and go, God is the acting agent here. 
Like John 3.16 is not ultimately about like the things I do that make me good. No, no, no. John 3.16 is ultimately about this God, this I am father creator who loved. And we're going to talk about that love here in a minute. Now the object. What's the object? The object is the thing being acted on is world. And we're going to talk about what does Jesus mean when God loved the world. But let's start here with this first uh, fill in the blank on your notes here today, and that is God's love. We have to understand a bit about the love that Jesus is speaking of here and which God loves us with. Because in our culture, we live in a culture, do we not, where love can mean a thousand different things. Go down to the mall, ask someone what love means, and you will get a thousand different answers to that. So what did Jesus mean when he's talking about God loving us? Another thing that we might not understand as well as they did in their culture with, um, how, with the, the, the original language of what we have the Bible translated. In English, we say love in all different contexts. I love pizza. I love ice cream. Graders, Buckeye Blitz, come on. Anyone give me an amen on that, right? I got a hallelujah down front for that. But I love my wife and I love my kids. And we use love to kind of communicate a whole bunch of different things. When Jesus says, for God so loved the world, uh, the Greek word there is a form of the Greek word agape. And so in the Greek language, you have a few different words that can communicate love. There's a word for more of like more romantic love. There's a word for brotherly love. But then there's this agape word. And this agape word gets at a faithful, committed act of the will, sacrificial kind of love. And so let's just stop and understand right at its basic elements. When God so loved the world, he didn't, he didn't phileo the world, brotherly loved the world. He agapaoed the world. He loved the world with a faithful, committed, act of his will, sacrificial kind of love. This is so great because if it was just a filet of brotherly love, it, you know, think about how we, we love our friends and we're there to do some things for them. Hey, how can I help you out? God's love goes way beyond a, hey, how can I help your life out kind of love. It goes that I am going to completely sacrifice myself for your life. So you can live, so you can have the eternal and abundant life in Christ. This is the kind of love in which God has loved us with. Now, this is so important for the Christian life, I believe, that we understand the kind of love in which God has first shown us for this reason. Uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And here was his reply, Matthew 22, it's on the screen. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So Jesus instructs us that we are to love God with an all-consuming love. 
all our heart, our soul, all of our mind, with all of us, we're to love God. We are to love God with a faithful, committed, act of the will, sacrificial, Lord, you gave your life for me, my life is yours. But here's the thing, you and I both know we won't ever live that out until we first understand. Um, we love because he first loved us, right? There's something about our understanding of the love that God has shown us and the giving of a son that allows us to even have the power to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then Jesus adds this onto this. He says, in a second, it's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is really hard to do. Why? Because um, we tend to be, at our core, selfish people. And it's really hard to love other people with a sacrificial kind of love. But once we understand the love in which God has shown us and the giving of his son, we now, have, um, we now have a well of power that we can delve down into that helps us love other people with the same act of the will, sacrificial kind of love. It's crucial that we understand the love in which God has loved us. Now, I'm going to stress out some of you who like to go right in order because I'm skipping the second blank and we're going to the third blank. You good with that? Okay. Because I want to make sure we don't keep this at the theory level. God loves you. Okay. How do we know God loves us? If I told my wife over and over again, day after day, I love you, 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 I love you. But the actions of my life communicated something polar, like totally different from that. She'd go, how do I know you love me? There's something in history we can always point to that when we begin to question, God, if you love me, would you really dot, dot, dot? God, do you really love me? Jesus roots the love of God into something objective God has done here that seals the deal once and for all of God's audacious, extravagant love for us. Back to verse 16, and then we'll fill in our blank here. For God so loved the world, here's how he demonstrates that. That he gave his only son. So God's love for the, we'll come back to that blank, is revealed in the giving of, of his only son. So here's how we know of God's love for us and for all of this broken world. We know it in the fact that he gave his only son for this world. This is the demonstration of God's love for us. Now, this is an audacious love that God would give his son for us. The son of God, second person of the Trinity. This is a beautiful statement of the Trinity here. The father gives the son. The son perfectly submits to the father in going and rescuing. And it's this beautiful picture of uh, the, the, the oneness of God. Three in one. The father, the son, the Holy Spirit. Son submitting to the father. Father sending the son out of love for the world. And um, what makes this audacious is that he didn't send his son ultimately because we had earned, earned that. We, we hadn't merited that. Like, it'd be one thing if it's like, okay, you know, those people, they, like, they merited that. Like, yeah, like, we got to do this, okay? God didn't do this because we earned it. Um, scripture, you know, this, this might be a mind bender for 
for some of us in here, but Scripture doesn't even say that God did this because we were like friends with God. God did this out of love for us while we were his enemies. That's what makes this love so audacious is that I was an enemy of God who deserved nothing of that. And if you're like, I don't know about that. Like, how can you say we were enemies of God before Jesus? Romans 5.10 says this. For if while we were, what's the word? For if while we were enemies, we were, here's this beautiful word, reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And so, out of love, sacrificial love, the Father sends the Son to rescue, to reconcile, and to redeem people who were his enemies, who because of our sin had, been, had, broken, uh, had broken communion, had broken fellowship with God, and God said, yeah, 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 but I love them, not because they're lovely, but because I am love. And I'm going to make a way back into harmony, wholeness, and relationship. And here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to love them by giving my only son. And so, God has loved us, and he's shown this love for us through the giving of a son. Now let's get to this world word in here. God's love for the world is revealed in the giving of his only son. And it's important we understand, what did Jesus mean when he said that God loved the world? When Jesus says God loves the world, he's communicating that God loved this creation that he had made but was now totally depraved. God looked on the totality of the depravity of the world and he said, I love them. I love them still. He loves, so, so this, this is crucial. Because if you're in here and you're going, you don't know what I've done. God, there's no way God can love me. That's covered in what Jesus has just said here. God loves the world in the totality of the depravity of it. And the worst of the worst that we've done, God has looked on it and he said, I love you. Not only does he love all of the people that fill this world, he loves creation itself. And creation itself is groaning, longing for this day when it will be redeemed. And God loves the world in all of its brokenness. And I don't know about you, but I'm broken. Uh, yesterday... Uh, my wife left me with all four kids for two and a half hours. And it brought out all of the sin that is still in my heart. All of the stuff I thought I had victory over, it just all came out in a two and a half hour burst. I uh, spent the first hour with one twin in this arm and one twin in this arm and simultaneous screams pointed right in my face for an hour. An hour. No, no, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, let, me, no, let me be clear. A half hour with both twins screaming in my face. Uh, my son falls asleep. Another half hour with my daughter screaming in my face. I, I finally just had to lay her on, her be on, on, on our bed. I turned around 
and there in perfect position was a laundry basket full of clothes that got punted across the room. Don't judge me. Stop. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Just punt a socks just everywhere, just everywhere. And as I finally had calmed down later in the afternoon from Scream Fest 2019, I had had a lot of anger in my life through my, you know, as a kid, through my teen years, and the Lord started to really work on that. But it was just this, like, moment yesterday where I saw all of that, like, all of old Brock come back out. Um. And I just was like, I'm, I'm broken. I am so broken. Thank you, God, that you loved me to send your only son for my brokenness. And when we think about God loving the world that he would send his only son, and we see us as part of this world in our brokenness. And we realize that because he sent his son, here's, what, here's the hope we have as people of this world who are broken in our sin. He redeems us. It means he's bought us. To redeem means to buy back. We've been bought back the moment we put our faith in Jesus from the dominion and control of sin. He's bought us out of that. And the, the ransom... The currency of that redemption was his very own blood on the cross. This is how he's redeemed us. But not only has he redeemed us, he hasn't just bought us out of our sin, but then he's reconciled us to God. He's made the relationship with God whole and right again. We are again in right relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ when we put our faith there. No longer is there a divide in the relationship. We're reconciled, and reconciled is a beautiful word. He's redeemed us. He's reconciled us. And then just, he's rescued us. Just flat out, he's rescued us. To be rescued means to save someone from a situation they couldn't save themselves. And like, I don't care how good you are in here. I don't care if you're like, I would never kick a laundry basket across a bedroom. All of us have fallen short of God's standard. Like the best of the best of us in here can look back at our life and go, yeah, I would have done that differently. I probably wouldn't have, yeah, that was wrong. When I said that, when I did that, when I lied there, when I, all of us have fallen short. None of us can earn our way to good standing with God. None of us will stand before God one day and he'll, he'll go, okay, what's your name? Okay, Brock, Graham, great. Pulls out a list and we're just sitting there with fingers crossed, hoping that the good things we did outweighs the bad things we did. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel is good news for people who can never redeem and reconcile and rescue themselves, that God loved us so much that he sent his only son to redeem and re reconcile and rescue us so that when we stand before God one day, we will say, Christ, and they'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is what we hang on. So back, eyes in your Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
This is how we know his love for us. It's in the giving of his son. And it's love towards us, this world, broken and completely depraved in need of a savior. And now I hope today will bring some hope for us who see our brokenness. Because I think often our shortcomings, our failures, our sin, our brokenness are like ever present before us. Friday night I'm tucking in my three-year-old to bed. And he just, out of the mouths of three-year-olds, right? And just into the brain of a three-year-old. He goes, he just starts to recount like the laundry list of all the stuff he had done like wrong for the week. Dad, do you remember, do you remember when we were in the van and, and I said stupid and I threw Buzz Lightyear across the van? I'm like, yeah, buddy, I remember that, yeah. Um, Dad, why did I do that? I'm like, huh. And then he's not done. He's like, Dad, do you remember that one time you asked for the iPad back and, and I wouldn't give it to you and, like, we were in the living room and you were pulling and I was playing? Not one of my finer moments either. Like, I'm there with my three-year-old. No, I said give it to me. Um, Dad, why, why, was I, why was I mean there? Why didn't I just obey? I'm, this, this is the three-year-old conversation. Like, he's wrestling. Why am I doing things that, like, I know, like, I really shouldn't do? Why, why do I do that, Dad? And so, like, I sit down. And I'm like, here it is, right? I sit down on that Lightning McQueen bedspread. And I'm, I, I launch into the greatest rendition of the gospel ever been presented in the and I get to the end, and my little three-year-old goes, <sighs> And I just smiled, and I go, Lord, a truth like John 3.16 in the gospel, how I sometimes just yawn over it, over, over familiarity with it. And God, today in our midst... Will you remind us of your audacious love for us? You loved me when I was an enemy of you in my brokenness so much that you would send your son to a cross to pay the death penalty that I deserved. I'm just praying today that God would do the miracle in our hearts that we wouldn't leave here with a yawn and lunch but a reminder of his love wherever you walked in here finding yourself in the categories of how I started. Life's great, life's not. Victory over sin, completely swallowed up in your sin, that you would hear today the audacious love of God for you in the sending of his son. And now, I don't want to just talk of it. I thought the greatest way to end this is just to sing of the Father's love for us. I just want you to stay right there in your seat. This is still the conclusion of the sermon. I want the worship team to sing over us the love of God. I want you to sing with them just right there from their seat as we prepare to take communion and really reflect on the love of God demonstrated us in the giving of a son. But as the worship team sings this, sing with them from your seat of how deep the Father's love for us really is.